Hey everybody, welcome to episode 135 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, his name is Dave Hogan. We are both just pretty amped, is that a good way to put it, Dave, to be here? I Yeah, we got some uh, serious stuff to dig into tonight. We do, and uh, I think we're just going to go right to it this time. We're not going to, no witty banter, no life stories, no no funny, uh, I don't know, jokes. I don't, I don't, are we joke makers, Dave? Not very good ones. Yeah. So I think we're just going to cut straight to the Bible this episode. Um, All right. And we're in Romans 8 still, obviously. And if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, I would encourage you to do so before we get into this one, because this one kind of closes out the conversation we've been having over the past few shows. So um, be sure to check those out. Um, But I guess without further ado, let's uh, let's read our scripture for the episode. All right, so we're at uh, Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, also just he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right, so we've got some pretty serious terms here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was joking before we went on air that like denominations have been made over some of these terms. So like, we're not kidding when we say these are, these are heavy, dense, um, like yes. geography moving sort of words. And so those words would be predestined, justified mm-hmm. and glorified. And, We're going to do this masterclass style. We're not going to sit here and read you dictionary definitions (laughs) or debate Calvinism versus Arminianism or even Molinism, um, if you want to go into that. Um, But we're just going to have a a frank discussion between two friends about these things. And um, if we don't get to the particular theological argument or debate or perspective that you want us to, What's your opportunity to to write in via Twitter or email and let us know what you wanted us to discuss or what your thoughts and opinions are on this so that we can uh, discuss it in a future episode. So there's your caveat. We're going to discuss it, but we're not going to go. This is not an Arminian versus Calvinistic debate. Because I don't do we even disagree on that, Dave? I don't even know if I know what you believe on that. Ooh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm like somewhere I'm if Calvin is left and Arminius is right, I'm I'm slightly I'm like ten percent towards Calvin. Maybe fifteen percent. If we can put it on a spectrum like that. I can't go full Calvinist, but I I lean that way in certain areas. Yeah, I would say we'll probably. <sighs> of course, we agree. <laughs> God, can we disagree on something? No. <laughs> oh well. Jerome would be so disappointed. We can never disagree. No, I know. All right, so for those, oh, there's also foreknowledge, which is kind of important here too. Oh man, all right. That is true. So for those whom he foreknew. Let's just talk about that. What what is when you hear the word foreknew, Dave? What what comes to your mind? 
what does that mean to you? I guess as a word, and then secondarily in this context. I, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. I think when you when you first hear it, there's this idea of God's knowing the future, that He knows what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, and um, I suppose there's an element for me of I'm I'm somewhat okay with that because he is God. God is eternal. Uh, we definitely exist in this sort of linear timeline where we have a beginning and we had an end, and um, we try to put a, an infinite God into our finite terms. And so um, when I think of foreknowledge, I think there's a part of that uh, I'm not a scholar when it comes to this, um, but I don't think that if even if he even if he knows the future and he knows who's going to do what, I don't think it is also that you make this connection of um, he then knows who's going to choose him and he, you know, then acts accordingly. Mm. Um, so it, it so so go ahead. No, I was just I was going to make a so one of the issues you have with Calvinism is the whole idea of the elect. I'm guessing. I don't I don't completely have a trouble. So so if you even want to talk about that, I mean, you, regardless of what where you fall on Calvinism and Arminianism, I think you have to sort of acknowledge that. You know, the Bible starts with God having a chosen people. Mm -hmm. the, the Jews are God's chosen people. He, the reality is, is God plays favorites. <laughs> and I think people have a hard time <laughs> accepting that God plays favorites. But he does it. He does it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I sincerely believe that there was a reason why he liked David. I believe there's a reason, you know, even with Moses. You know, there, there's an element of, of you know, the, the, all the male firstborn are killed, and then his sister puts him in a basket and sends him down the river, and, oh, he goes to Pharaoh, and then, you know, his mom nurses him. And it's, there's an element of, if you look at the Bible from beginning to end, God has favorites. He has people he likes, and he appears to me to have people he doesn't like. I'm guessing there's a bit of, their free will and what they've done that causes him not to like them. But um, so I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that and get too far away from the, the four new. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess there's, there's, there's those two pieces for me. God is eternal. He exists outside our timeline and can know anything he wants to know. It doesn't mean it's scripted. It doesn't mean that, you know, he's guiding every little decision. And then I, the second thing is, is God can, even if he, even if I'm wrong, God has the right to have favorites. God can do that. And, you know, I, I guess I'll even take it one step further of we're created in his image. Mm -hmm. And we have favorites. We have people that we like and we have people we don't like. And it's based on, you know, how we get along with them and how we, and so, uh, you know, if, if a relationship with God is implicit in this, you know, great. We're dependent on grace still not saying <laughs> anything there. And I do think there's an element. Well, okay. 
So I'm going to stop there on those two things. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that is that for the, yeah. the foreknowledge and the yeah? And yeah. The... So what I what I what I really liked how you said it is, you know, God is infinite and He has infinite knowledge, right? In any if we want to put it on a plane in any direction, right? Past, mm-hmm. present, future, God knows everything. And what I thought was interesting, the way you said it was, you know, he's not, he's not there directing every detail. Like, is Cam going to wear gray or blue today? I really genuinely don't think, and this is my opinion, God gives a rip if I wear gray or blue. It's just mm-hmm. a shirt color, right? But God knows what I'm going to do because he has knowledge of all things. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that like God is directing me to wear my, you know, my gray t-shirt today. No, I chose that, but God knew that I would chose that because his view of time is not one of past, present, or future. His view is, well, everything, right? He's omnipresent. Yep. And so it's really interesting to think like foreknowledge to us is a weird thing because it means that God knows something that happens in the future. But to God, it's not foreknowledge; it's just knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like there, <laughs> he if he exists out of time, as I believe, you know, we believe he does because he created it when he created the universe. It's a construct of his. He he has the the sort of admin view, right? Like he sees above everything. He sees all the machinations. He sees all of the systems, all of the all of the variables at play, and he knows all of them because he created all of them. And he exists both in them and outside of them. And so for me, the concept of foreknowledge is weird because like, well, how do you know something is going to happen? Well, I exist in the past. Well, in the present with, with memories of the past and hopes for the future. Right. But God's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't really play by those rules. I just, I just kind of am. Mm-hmm. And I and, and again, that's this whole like eternal perspective that we see, you know, talked about in scripture, and, and, and having the ability to see things on his scale, like I can't even imagine what that would be like. I like mm-hmm. I I told you before we started recording. I'm like, there's things that are starting to slip through the cracks in my like day to day life, like tasks I have to accomplish, and I'm and I'm realizing like I need to get that done. I need to I need to get back on the horse and be more proactive and and not, you know, procrastinate and those sorts of things and it's like I'm struggling with what I have on my plate. And I've got a pretty pretty good like manageable amount of stuff to deal with and God's like whole universe created it, got it, no sweat, foreknowledge, sure, why not? It's like, "Oh man. <laughs> I would struggle so bad with like a second kid, you know?" Like, I have one wife and one child, and I'm already like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. You know, I can't even imagine multiple children. I want them, and I look forward to having them, but at the same time, it's just like, I'm starting to feel like I'm losing grip on everything I'm responsible for, and to think that God is like, oh yeah, I knew you were going to do that, because I've seen it. It's just like, oh my gosh, his capacity is overwhelming when you really begin to think about all of the things that he has created and put in place and maintains. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's really is oh, yeah. staggering. Yeah, absolutely. I think the term for new here is for our benefit. 
that's kind of where I'm going to land on that, if that's okay with you. Uh, yeah. For those whom he foreknew, like, yeah, for those that he knew before they existed, but it's only because they didn't exist that they didn't know that he knew them already. And I'm not to listen back to that because I'm not sure that was English, but yeah, God is God is able to know future things before they happen because future for him is not future; it just is. So for those he foreknew, he also predestined. Okay, second big money word, and this one might be a little trickier, but. What does predestined mean to you, Dave, in this context? Apologies for totally putting you on the spot, but you should have seen this coming, my dude. It's been four (laughs) years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you what my study Bible tells me about predestined. That those whom he chose beforehand would become like Christ. That seems like an opinionated definition. It does. So apparently, I, I learned this from one of my youth group volunteers. Apparently, the ESV is uh, a bit uh, Calvinistic in its uh, decision making. Hmm. So that that definition of predestined or predestined actually makes uh, a lot of bit of sense. Yes. So I just real quick. Um, clicked on the new living translation. Oh, here we go. What does it say? So it just basically says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Okay, that's going to be super useful when we get later on. Can you reread verse 29? Just verse 29. For for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, so here's what's going through my mind right now. He chose them to be like his son, right? Mm -hmm. It's not saying he chose... You know, me, Salvation. he chose me and you and not, I don't know, your neighbor or my neighbor, mm-hmm. because, you know, he likes, I don't, who knows, right? He chose his people to be like his son, which makes all the sense in the world, right? That's mm-hmm. what we were intended to be originally. So his people become like his son through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ and presented to God holy and blameless and righteous because of what Jesus has done. So yeah, duh, his people are chosen to be like his son because of what he, his son, and the Holy Spirit have done and continue to do in the life of his people. Like it. It makes so much sense. So this this concept of like predestination as being like a a special like the uh, the chosen yeah, yeah the, uh, I'm part of the chosen. Thank you. Yeah, like it's not a cool club that only you get you you only get into if you go to a specific school or your skin color is a certain color or you know any other of the the, the silly things that we could you know determine. Uh, are you accepted or not by 
right? No, yep. we 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 are chosen by God to be like his son because of what he had his son go through. Mm-hmm. It's still yep. it's still an open invitation, but the only people that are going to get into heaven and get to enjoy a truer relationship with God than what we have now insofar as like we like it's physical, right? Mm-hmm. Are the people that are made like his son by the act mm-hmm. of his son and the saving, you know, grace and the act of the Holy Spirit and the conviction and and the the repentance and the forgiveness of sins and we'll get into the justification and glorification here in a second, but it's like this concept of predestination is not nearly as loaded, I think, as we want it to be. Because again, God operates outside of time. It's not like he was sitting there in the past going, she's in, she's in, she's out. He's definitely in because he, you know, knows Hebrew or whatever. Like there's not, there's not petty reasons for why someone is like Jesus or not. God's people look like his son because of what he sent his son to do and the ramifications of that act. Yeah, of course his people look like his son. That was the entire point. So, yep. sorry, the, just that, for whatever reason, the New Living Translation uh, kind of rocked my world right there, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> so, yeah, so when it so there's this part of me that just says, again, I don't think there's a certain number that he's chosen, and those are the only people that are going to get to be Christians, and there's not a whole lot we can do about it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I do, and this is based on my experience and what I, I have observed, I do believe, and I feel like there are certain people that he goes after maybe more strongly than others. And... There are people that have unique experiences that not all of us have. And I'm okay with that. You know, like I said, I feel like the scripture is full of people that, you know, God's providence is on them. He, you know, he kind of has a special plan, a special, um, and those people aren't going to get away. And then I think there are some that, you know, and I, I I don't know what his determining factor is on that, and I could be completely wrong, but it's what I believe. Um, there, when when we start talking this theology stuff, you know, for me to say I completely go against John Calvin, well, there's there's no one like, well, he's way freaking smarter than I am, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So this this doesn't this doesn't completely have to do with coming down with being right or wrong, because I I think there are all kinds of people going to end up in heaven that disagreed with each other on their theology. And so, um, so I, I I guess I I am a little bit in the, 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 the camp of if God wants you, he's going to get you. And that's the, the whole irresistible grace, maybe of (laughs) the tulip. Doesn't God want everybody? Does God want everybody? Yes. I believe God wants everybody. 
So how does that fit in with your statement of if God wants you, he's going to get you? What I'm saying is, is from what I have observed, I feel like there are certain people that, um, you know, for whatever reason, like literally they're not a Christian and God audibly, you know, speaks to them and they have a moment of like salvation. Um, you know, there's people, one of the more common ways for somebody in um, Islam to come to know Christ is to literally have what they call the Jesus dream. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a common testimony for people that are, that are Muslim yep. to say, Jesus came to me in, in a dream. Yeah. And it's consistent enough that I believe it to be true. Um, now, does every Muslim have that dream at some point? Maybe. And some receive it and some don't. Uh, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But it seems to me there are certain people that have that dream and respond to it. That's their testimony. And they almost, they don't look back. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so that's what makes me kind of go, you know, Jesus didn't come to me in a dream for my conversion. And, and I'm okay with that. So that's, that's where I just say, it's so maybe my, I'm not explaining it very well. And it's, it's just a, we all have different experiences versus God has favorites. But from my finite perspective, it sure seems to me, like I look at people and go, why couldn't I have that experience? And maybe it's my sinful, jealous nature just playing <laughs> itself out. No, I, okay, so I get, I get what you're saying. So when you say if God wants you, he's going to get you, you're saying if, if he wants to go over and above the things that are accessible to every human being, that mm-hmm. being his general revelation, right? The earth, the right. universe, the stars, the ocean, the fish, the animals, the trees, the mountains, all the, the deserts, the, everything, right? The beauty of our physical existence, the diversity of it, right? So you're saying if, mm-hmm. if, if God wants to go over and above that or over and above that, plus growing up, you know, in a pseudo-Christian culture where you're familiarized with the Bible and the stories at a certain point— if God wants to grab your, like, to arrest you, to grab your attention, to, as you said, convert the the non-believer on the spot, or you know, cause a drat, like, so you're not talking about just like, oh, if God wants you, like, I guess he can. Be, you're like, no, if if God like needs you for something specific, he's gonna come get you, mm-hmm. which I think is, I think is fair, uh, as opposed to the the other option, which is like, no, oh, whatever. I mean, I I guess I want my people, but like. You know, I'll just, I'll get the ones that decided they like me, which I would disagree with, and and, and so would you. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's totally fair to, this idea of God playing favorites, like that that phrasing is not going to sit well with people, right? No. But I just, I, you know, I even look at, at, at Paul's conversion, mm-hmm. you know, and just literally God <laughs> being like Paul. And hey. you be blind, boy. Yeah. yeah, like what is up with this? And then clearly had a purpose for him. Mm-hmm. And that, and so what I want to encourage the people listening right now, because like as you're saying this, even I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I know, and I did want to come back to this before we finish, right? But it's so like I think you're going to say what I'm thinking. But it's true, right? Like there, God created everyone in His image, mm-hmm. which is reason enough to know how much God loves you. 
If he's going to create something in his image, he's not going to cast it aside or forget about it or um, not want it, right? Right. You know, uh, what's the passage where it says, you know, if you, like evildoers or whatever, know how to give good things to your children, how much more so does God know how to give good gifts to, mm-hmm. to his kids? Like, God made you in his image, which means he loves you unconditionally, so much so that he sent his son to die your death for you so that he might have a right relationship for you and solve the problem that we created ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But there are people, as you have you know, explained here, and as we see exemplified in Scripture, that God calls to very specific things, right? And the, and the Bible is full of them. And, and what's interesting is if we look at the stories of the Bible, we see, you know, Elijah and Elisha and Moses and Paul and David and uh, Solomon and the, the disciples and like all of these characters that have like these like vital roles in the, the history of our faith and in the history of God's kingdom on this planet. And it's like for every one of those, there's hundreds of thousands of other people that were not called to do those things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that God loves them less. It just means that God chose that person at that time for that purpose. And so, yeah, God in that way, you know, does kind of play favorites in the sense that not everyone can do what Moses did. Moses was uniquely positioned, as you mentioned, all of the other firstborn or however it shook out, they were all killed. He got put in a river and he got raised inside of Pharaoh's house. Like he was uniquely positioned for that role. No one else could have pulled it off like him because they were not in his position to do so. The same with Paul, right? Being a Jew among Jews. You just check off the list. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. And I've done it better than you, by the way. Yeah. So good that I was really, really good at killing and persecuting Christians. Boom, flip of a switch. Now Paul is the greatest evangelist because of all those tools and experiences and intelligence that he had for the enemy, God then turned for his own good. And it's like you look at these people in scripture and you see God chooses them for a reason, right? To do and and me not being one of those people, right? I'm just a normal guy that God has not, you know, chosen to do crazy things with. And it's like you can get a little jealous. Oh yeah. man, I wish I wish God would choose me for that. Or I wish right. that I was, you know, and you start to like compare yourself. I wish I was good enough, or I wish I was a better whatever. And it's like, how insane is it for me to take the gift that I've been given and look down upon it and say, I wish I was something else. I wish I could do that. No, God sure. God created me. Mm-hmm. I would not exist unless he determined that I would exist. I would not know salvation. I would not know grace. I would not know true love. I would not know mercy. I would not know forgiveness. I would not know truth from a lie if it weren't for him. Right. Like, so where, how, how can I 
as a person say, or, or be upset when I'm just a normal dude that happens to be blessed enough that the God of the universe has revealed his truth to me. Oh, I want to be the main character in the story. Who cares? I'm saved by the God of the universe. Like, that should be enough for anybody. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like, the more I think about it, it's just like, holy, I, I am, I am the, you know, the main character in my story. God saved me. God made me in his image. God saved me from myself. God knows me and my sin. And so like, yeah, still want him. Like, really, I do. Like, let's go. I don't have to be Paul. I don't have to be Moses. I don't have to be David. I get to be Cam. And I get mm -hmm. to be me the way that he made me to be in the lives of all of the people that I interact with. And that's really cool. Like, really cool. Yeah, and so that's, you know, one of the things, too, is is if you desire God, he's not going to turn you away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, so that's you know, one of those things of just that, you know, over time, people wiser than me have just, you know, shared to me of, you know, if you're worried about whether you're going to heaven or not, <laughs> you're probably going to heaven, <laughs> you know, because if you desire to be there, if you, if that's, you know, and you can kind of have that intellectual sort of, I want to be with God. I want to go to heaven. You can express that desire. He's going to meet you and he's going to show you the people that aren't going to be in heaven are the people that are like, yeah, I have no use for God. I'm not interested in him. Or there's an element of, you know, he's a good luck charm. I'll, I'll go to him when it's, you know, if you desire God and you want eternal life with him, then uh, he's going to meet you there and he's going to, you know, arrive at that. In fact, I've got a friend that we had a discussion today of, uh, kind of a post Easter discussion on, you know, he wanted to make sure he believed the right thing. And, uh, I, you know, I just really, that's kind of the first step mm -hmm. is wanting to, to believe the right thing. And then you kind of realize, you know, the, the right thing is a very simple thing. And that's that Jesus died for my sins. And, uh, I believe he has the ability to forgive me and there's purpose to him dying and, and being risen again. Um, before we step too far down, uh, the verse that you mentioned earlier was Matthew seven eleven. Mm. That if we give gifts, our heavenly Father gives even better gifts. Yeah, thank you for that. All right, so that was uh, the second of our four big words there. Um, if you hear me flipping pages, that's my real Bible. Get off your phones, people. Get a paper one. Anyways, that was just a little. I don't know soapbox there. Uh, so yeah, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, great. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. All right, so here's another uh, big money word. He also justified. So... Instead of putting Dave on the spot, I will share this time. Um, so justified to me, especially in the context of you know Romans and what we're talking about here, is this idea of we stand before God correct. We have our, 
all of the things that we have done wrong have been justified in God's eyes by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and therefore the forgiveness of sins, the payment of debt, all of that good stuff, right? So when Paul says that those he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, this this like sort of momentum-building snowball-down-the-hill sort of uh, metaphor is like God has predestined. He is he, he knows what's going to happen. He calls people and those who he called successfully, right? He's also justified, right? I've been made just. My case, mm-hmm. my case is closed. There's no issue between us anymore because of what Jesus has done and in the subsequent conviction and conversion uh of of me via the Holy Spirit's uh activity in my life. Right, I I now stand before God justified, like that that TV show. Mm-hmm. Do you ever watch the TV show Justified? Uh, from beginning in to end, more than once. Oh, okay, I never made it all the way to the end. Is it worth it? I, you know what? It's a co- it's. I like Raylan Givens, and you know, yeah. I I think uh, I stopped watching like season three, but it was good. I just got distracted. But anyways, like th- this idea of being justified means like. Not only are you right, but the powers that be tell everybody else you're right. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the the knowledge of like, yeah, I'm good. But then there's also the the experience of the important people, or in this case, the important person, God, telling everybody else he's good. Yeah, And the crux of the matter here is that I'm not good in my eyes or God's eyes because of what I've done, right? I've been Mm -hmm. justified. I've been declared good and right and clear of all charges because of what God did through, again, the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. So it's it's a declaration of clarity on me or anyone else who's been saved to the entire universe this person stands justified clear of all charges right good and in our case clothed in the righteousness of jesus because of what i have done there is no problem here move on please that just like makes me super excited I mean, I hate to use such basic terms, but like, there's so much going on here, but it's like the, 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 the base of this whole thing is like, holy crap, God did it. Mm -hmm. Like he just, he did it. He made it happen. And I now stand justified, cleared, good, pure, righteous, set apart, part of his family, adopted son, all that good stuff. Like, let's go have a family barbecue. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Like, <laughs> that's what justified yeah. means to me, based on how I read it here and and elsewhere in Scripture. Like, I'm good. God did something crazy, and because mm-hmm. of that, I'm good with Him. Yeah, which is like the only person that being good with really matters. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you want to be good with you know your family and your friends and the people you live with because that's just common decency. But like, 
ultimately, eternally, being good with God is the only thing that matters because of what's at stake. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I absolutely agree um, with your definition of, of being justified. And my friend at lunch today, his way of kind of doing it is like, okay, so we're the person that's on trial and God's the judge. And not only does he like say we're not guilty, he then goes serves our sentence for us. Well, <laughs> he's said, not yeah, he's a- <laughs> not just the judge. He's also yeah. the defense attorney. Yes. Yeah. And we the got, other yeah. attorney. Like he's all three, right? Yeah. And well he's all four because then he's the one that serves the sentence. Right. And so this, you know, justification was a big um and again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds with this, but this was a big part of um, Martin Luther in, in where he separated from the Catholic Church in that um, I think Christians, Protestants, I'll say Protestants and, and Catholics both believe in justification and that certainly God is the one that justifies us. Um, the Catholic Church has a, a strong like um, you can you can lose your justification and you're not truly justified um, until you die and are in heaven with God, which is interesting. We'll get to it in a minute, but glorified's in the past tense here, right? And that's I, that one I don't know as much about, but um, but yeah, and and I think even Catholics have like. forgive me if this is the wrong phrase, but like you can commit like a mortal sin Mm -hmm. as a Catholic and, and be like, Oh, you've lost your justification. And that's Uh, where, yeah, that, that I'm not, I'm not very sure about, you know, and the church started to abuse some of that in this idea of, you know, you could pay your way from purgatory into heaven. And Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's where Martin Luther was like, and, I you know I sometimes wonder if the pendulum didn't you know swing a little bit too far the other way where it's it kind always of the whole, does. once saved by grace you're always saved by grace you know you can't lose your salvation pendulum always swings too far don't want to get too far in the weeds in the theology of that but I do know that this was one of those main things that Luther was like no 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 um it it is even our justification really isn't earned it's just like our salvation uh, we can't, you know, and then you have all the arguments of faith without works and that sort of a thing. But, um, so anyway, justification, I think we've, we both agree on the definition there. Uh, certainly a sense of God has paid our debts for us and wiped the slate clean and certainly did that when we could not. Indeed. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, the verse ends this way. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And mm-hmm. what I had never really thought about until I read the fo- footnote here in, in my study Bible is mm-hmm. glorified is in past tense, just like justified is. Mm-hmm. And what is interesting is glorification is something that I don't know about you, Dave. I've yet to experience. I'm still in my earthly body. I still live on earth, you know, in America, in the state of Illinois. Like, I'm still very much here. My justification has happened, but my glorification has not, as far as I'm aware, because of that whole pesky time thing, right? But Paul apparently was 
aware of how God perceives time. It's like, oh yeah, if you've been justified, you've also been glorified as in it's already a done deal. It's happened. Mm -hmm. Like you may not have experienced it yet, but it's happened. And I, I've never thought about it that way. And I'm a bit ashamed because, you know, details to words are important to me. And this has always been in the past (laughs) tense. It just has. Yeah. And I've never noticed that before. And so it it also seems to be a foregone conclusion that those that God justifies, he glorifies. And if I have been justified, which I have, that means I've also been glorified, which is crazy to me. Like, here I am sitting in my office in Kankakee, Illinois, on the second floor of my church building, overlooking the river and you know, the intersection outside my window, like it's, it is Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. I am still very much a physical being. I'm 32 years old. I have been glorified because I've been justified. Mm -hmm. But I have anywhere from this moment until the moment I die before I experience that glorification, right? But it's already mm-hmm. a done deal. Which is yeah. just kind of bonkers. Like, this whole operating outside of time thing, like, I get why it hurts <laughs> people's heads. But it's like, think about it in this context, right? I've been called. I've been justified. I've also been glorified. I've experienced the call. I've experienced the justification as far as I can physically, right? And mentally and emotionally. But like the one thing that I can't experience is the glorification. I can't know what it's like to be in the presence of God until I'm in the presence of God. And that's not going to happen until my earthly body goes away. My, you know, and the resurrection happens. My soul is brought up and I'm with God for eternity. Yet, according to this passage, That's already happened because, again, God operates outside of this whole pesky thing called time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a bit nuts for, for like, it's, you you ever watch the TV show Lost? No. What? You never, that was, you totally, that's not how I wanted this to go. You never watched Lost? (laughs) No. Now I'm more mad about that than I'm about anything. <laughs> well, part of it is I've never been, I've never been a big, well, I shouldn't say never. In this millennium, I've never been a big week to week broadcast television person. And so you just told me you watched the entire Justified series more than once. Yeah, but I don't know that I watched it when it was like. Lost ended like 15 years ago. Anyways, we're so off topic. My point was. (laughs) So no. So my point to that was, is I always wanted to wait till it was over and like binge watch it. And then I found out, I found out the ending to it. And I thought, well, that's got to make it no fun to watch the entire series when you know the ending. No, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And so I just have never watched. You need to watch it. But the, the point of all of that is like that show plays with timelines really well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what God is doing here because he has, you know, the perspective that he does being above or outside of time. 
He can say, yeah, you're called, you're justified, you're glorified, it's done. Meanwhile, us down here, you know, the players of the game, are like, yeah, I've been called, I'm justified. I haven't been glorified yet, but God's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're good, I got you. Like, it's already happened, Mm -hmm. you just don't know it yet. And I think one of the benefits, among the many that there are of being a Christian, is this concept of playing with house money. And I don't mean that to be rude or crass or um, cocky, but like we're on the winning side. Mm -hmm. We have the God of the universe who created us in his image saying, I've got you. And if that is not the biggest boost of confidence and encouragement and momentum into our lives. Like, I don't know what else would do a better job other than God saying, yeah, I got you. You're good. Like go for it. And I just, maybe, maybe I'm preaching to myself here, but like that sort of, uh, encouragement to just be, me in like the sense of who God created me to be, not like be me in the, in the the sinful, I'm a horrible person sort of way, but like leaning into the things about me that are clearly good and God honoring and part of the kingdom is like, there's encouragement to go there because I know God's got everything covered. You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? It does. Um, I'll even tweak it for me just a, a slight bit of. Um, I remember not feeling like a cool kid when I went into law enforcement. Mm. You know, they're just clearly guys that look like they're built for to be a cop. They act like a cop. I'm I'm goofy. I'm pudgy. <laughs> I'm David. You know, I'm nice guy, you know, although the job has caused me to be a little bit uh rougher than I was when I started. But as time has gone by and some of those people that I looked up to um continue to come to me for my friendship. And one I think everything that you just said is true. I need to think higher of myself because those people like me. I mean, it's just, you know, um, but I also think there's an element too of they see Christ in me Mm. and I need to almost kind of even be okay with my, my crap because I do think there's an element of he shines brighter than I do. And I don't, I don't even want to negate what you just said, because I think what you said is so totally true of us just being who we are, mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't even want to remotely sound like I'm undermining or, or negating what you said, because I completely think that is so true as well, of just be who you are, rejoice in that, you know, God made you to be a certain way. And then I would just add that little caveat of, I, I realize that these guys, some of these tough guys particularly ones that are at their end of their career and really evaluating where they're at in life. I genuinely believe, I genuinely hope (laughs) that they have seen Christ in me. And that's part of the appeal as well. So, and that's where the glory maybe (laughs) shines through. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, well, I mean, that gets us to the end of verse 30. We somehow, we made it, Dave. I don't know. Yeah. I was, I was very concerned that we would shrivel in the heat of that passage and just, I would agree. I was a little nervous. Fry that- and turn into ash. Yes, and I actually enjoyed that. I was a little bit like, I'm not sure this is going to be fun. Yeah, I. That's uh, a sentiment I may have felt as well. Um, but and on the on the other side, I feel yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's I just, enjoyed our discussion. It's it's proof that dealing with the tougher passages in scripture is worth your time. You know, even if. Even if you're not 100% sure or, you know, like whatever, like dealing with the hard stuff is good because it forces you to think through everything. And you may not have the right answers and all that, but like you at least did the work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you sat there and you forced yourself to go, <laughs> oh gosh, predestination and justification and calling. and cl- That's a lot of ifications. I don't want to do this, you know, that that's a 45 page, you know, uh, thesis right there. Well, you know what? No, it wasn't. It was a 50 some minute podcast that hopefully you enjoyed because if you're still listening, that's probably the case. And I know Dave and I just want to say thank you so much for your time and for your attention and for your mental bandwidth and just for giving us a place in your life. Uh, whether that, you know, wherever that be, car, uh, mowing the lawn, like, it doesn't matter. The fact that you choose to listen is just so cool. And we really, really, really genuinely hope that God is using um, this podcast as a opportunity in your life to speak to you. Not because Dave and I know everything, but just because we have given this to God, what, 135 times now? Like Mm -hmm. we, we, we pray before we record and we just say, God, you know what? We're going to talk, but we're really, 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 really relying on you and the Holy Spirit to make sense of what we have to say, because we want to represent your word and you appropriately. And, and that's not bragging. That's just the truth. Like we, we do this because we want God to be known and we want his word to be shared and discussed and talked about. And we want to make sure that that people have the opportunity to uh, to do that. So, again, long-winded, but I'll just say this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And if you ever want to reach out to Dave or I, you can check your show notes in your podcast app of choice, or you can go to uh, supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 135 and see the show notes there where you'll find links to uh, Twitter and email. And we would love to hear from you. Um, even if you 100% disagree with us, like let's start a conversation. That's where we're at. You'll find links to a bunch of other stuff, um, to click on if you so desire. But again, just thank you for your time and for your attention and, uh, you know, hope to connect soon. Yep. We will catch you, uh, on the next episode, I suppose. Have a wonderful day. Bye.